This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Nora Flaherty. As many of us know, New York City can be a really hard place to live, especially if you have kids. There's very little space, it's expensive, pushing a stroller down First Avenue can be a real pain, and so forth. Really, sometimes you can almost see a harried mother of two in one of the city's crowded playgrounds dreaming about the manicured lawns of suburbia. It doesn't help, either, that for a lot of New Yorkers, making the decision to move out of the city or not is complicated by the fact that, for lots of us, our whole idea of who we are is tied up in living here, and we view moving out of the city as a sort of end of the line, after which we'll stop being who we are. In her new novel, Bird in Hand, author and Fordham writer-in-residence Christina Baker-Klein explores the whole idea of moving out of New York City and what it means for people who do it and people who don't. The book concerns the relationship between two couples, old friends, who've made lots of different decisions, including about where to live. Christina Baker-Klein is my guest today on Fordham Conversations. We've spoken with Christina in the past about her other books, and she joins me in the studio this morning to talk about Bird in Hand. Hi, Christina. Welcome back. Hi, Nora. It's terrific to be here again. So tell me about this new book. Bird in Hand is started with a sort of what-if question. Um, what if something happened to you that was sort of out of your control, but you were somehow complicitous in it and it changed your entire life? Um, it opens with a car accident. This woman gets into a, a car accident on the way home from a party in New York. She lives in the suburbs. And she, a child dies. And when she calls her husband about it, he says, what did you do? And she realizes, and she's not at fault. She's not technically at fault, although she feels terrible about it. But what she realizes is that there's something deeply wrong with her marriage that she did not understand was wrong. Who are these characters in this book that you have this couple and you have a couple other main characters? Tell me about all of them. Yeah, there are four characters in this book. It's actually, I'm, you know, I've written four novels. This is my fourth. And, um, this is the most structurally complicated one. I have four characters, two women and two men. Uh, the women are Allison and Claire, and the men are Charlie, who's married to Allison, and Ben, who's married to Claire. The two women are best friends, um, have been since childhood. And I told the story through all four of their perspectives, moving forward in time in the third person, meaning not using the I, but um, it's a very close to each uh, person as you go through the story. Um, and it was a real challenge for me. I'd never written from the perspective of men before, which I loved doing and thought actually was was great fun and that I had insights I didn't expect from that. Um, and I also just loved writing such a complicated story. It also, it goes forward in time, as I said, through these four perspectives at the same time that it moves backward in time to the moment that they all met. It sounds like a mess, actually, but it it isn't. It's pretty clear when you're reading it because the back parts are in a different font, um, and I think it's very clear. You could easily pick up when people start talking. So, give me the sort of backstory of all these characters. Well, Allison is the. It seems she's the central character when the book opens. It opens in her perspective. Um, she's a woman who had a career in New York and, um, you know, married a man she was very much in love with, 
Uh, they moved, like many couples, to the suburbs, and she found herself eventually staying home with the children, which is a huge transition for any woman. Um, and for her, it was accompanied by loss of identity. And at the same time that she was deeply involved with and in, in love with her children, I think she began to feel a little bit aimless and um, sort of n not knowing anymore where her place in the world really, really was, is. And Charlie, her husband, um, is was a philosophy major um, who ended up going into advertising and I think has his own issues about feeling that he's not doing exactly what he wants to do. The other couple, on the other hand, have followed sort of exactly what they wanted to do for their careers. The woman, uh, Claire, is a writer, and she writes... Um, She's written her first book, which is a novel that's actually a thinly disguised memoir uh, that involves this friend, Allison. And her husband is a su successful architect. They have no children. They live in the city. So these two lives were a really nice contrast for me to play with, these two sets of lives. You can flesh that out a little bit more if you want. Okay. So Allison and Charlie, as I said, live in the suburbs. And it, the name of that town is Rockwell, which I chose actually because... I was touring the Norman Rockwell Museum in the Berkshires, and I realized that this sort of idealized vision of America that he put forth with complications was exactly what I wanted to convey about this town. I wanted it to be like a great place to live at the same time that there are hard-to-put-your-finger-on empty moments um, about the experience of living there. Um, it's a lovely suburb, but it's... in. It's got all the good and bad, I think, of the suburban experience. Um, and what I was really interested in writing about was I, I wanted each character to have a very distinct um, and specific point of view that was separate from the others. Um, you know, Ben is is really invested in his career. He's He loves, with great passion, architecture. Um, he's gotten himself into a position where he's kind of doing exactly what he wants to do. Claire is on a book tour when the book opens. She's beginning a book tour, and she's um, she's finding a lot of satisfaction in that. But their home life is is a little bit arid, and they neither of them quite um, is as the book opens is willing to figure out why and how that happened. Um, and Allison and Charlie, on the other hand, live in the chaos of having young children. And he commutes into the city, and it's a fairly long commute. And they're apart for many hours a day, and they've sort of grown apart without realizing it, too. So there are very different kinds of dysfunction happening. Um, but I think with all of that said, it sounds like it's a fairly depressing journey, the way I'm describing it. I think that what I wanted to get at is what it, what these experiences really feel like, and also how each of us um, lives with a complex body of emotions that changes minute to minute and is shaded in such a way that there is no kind of definitive response, I hate or I love. It's often very complex. And I wanted to, con I wanted the reader to feel uh, that he or she is in the head of the person who's talking in such a way that you understand their experience, you really understand their motivations, even if you don't agree with them or wouldn't even want to hang out with that person necessarily. I mean, some of my characters are more likable than others, and uh, people who've read these this book tell me that, you know, they have favorite characters and that they they feel that they are like one person or another, but you'll find that you 
don't like all of them and you might like some of them a lot. I think this is probably fairly clear from what we've already talked about, but this book is very geographically rooted and also very rooted in a, I don't want to say lifestyle, but a very specific kind of lifestyle. Culture, I guess. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the world that these people live in, both New York and New Jersey. Okay. So, right. It is really specific to where we are right now, Nora, (laughs) in New York. Um, And I've never really written about what it means to live in New York and in the suburbs. I've lived in this area for, my goodness, 17 or 18 years. Um, I love living here. It's very different, as you say, from the rest of the world. And in fact, um, the you get as a sort of Greek chorus the parents of some of these characters who live in other parts of America, and they're all a little bit befuddled and flabbergasted by what it means to live in New York, um, what we all take for granted, and what we also live with, like long commutes and, um, comp- and money complications. It costs so much more to live here than anywhere else, practically, in America, for sure. Um, maybe San Francisco. But it is. it is, there are people work harder generally for longer hours. Uh, there's more of an emphasis on that. Um, and I, I think that all of the emotional issues that I'm dealing with in the book that are common to many couples at this stage of life, which is mid, early to mid 30s, um, all of those are exacerbated by living in this place. It's sort of a pressure cooker, which is why I, I chose it for the book. I wanted it to be a pressure cooker. So, okay, so a lot of us listening, including I think both of us kind of inhabit this world. Tell me, what was it like exploring it in this sort of anthropological way that you do in this book? Uh, It was hard and it was fascinating. Um, What was hard about it is that because I was trying to get under the skin of each of these characters, it took a long time to really um, know them well enough to do that. And not only that, but my character Allison gets into this accident as she's driving home from a party, as I told you. And... It's an experience that I wrote out of my own um, experience in that she lives in New Jersey, as I've said, in a suburb. And it's New Jersey is a really complicated state to drive in. There's And if you haven't driven for a while, as many people who move from New York haven't, you find yourself a bit overwhelmed. And so when I moved to New Jersey uh, with two young children, not only was I driving myself around and my two precious babies, but I was driving other people's children around, and that was pretty terrifying. I kept thinking, what would what would happen? You read the metro section or, you know, uh, those kinds of reports, and you hear these awful stories, and you think, what happens to these people if something bad really does happen, the thing that you fear, getting into a car accident, someone dying, um, someone that you're responsible for, or just as a mother, someone else's child, at what happens to a marriage from that, what happens to relationships, what what happens to your own self-image, all of it. So I, I opened with, I was really interested in that. I also was really interested in what happens to marriage when children come along and um, all the complications of that. So both of those combined, you know, when I start a novel, I often, um, I start with one idea, I suppose, that, that then, and, and, but it's almost like in a drawer, perhaps in my head, or even literally, I keep it in a file, and then I'll find some other thing that interests me. And what I've learned over the years is that that process is very intuitive, and that I need to trust that all of those things will come together in some way. So um, things will float through my head, and they'll connect, they'll sort of link up with another idea. 
and eventually I'll realize what I'm what I'm building toward, what I've got. And I had a lot of things in this book that were that I'd never written about. You know, my last novel, The Way Life Should Be, was about a woman who moves to Maine and it starts to cook. And I had worked as a professional cook, but I'd never written about it. So that was a fabulous challenge in that particular way. In this book, I'd never I'd never written about having children. I'd never written about parenting and at all, really. Um I'd never written about New York in this way and what it means to live here. And um, and so I, I want I was really interested in exploring all of that. In the backstory in the book, my characters lived in England for several years and I'd also never written about that. So I, I love that in, in, that in each book I can explore a different part of my own world as a jumping off place for a different kind of story. On WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org, you're listening to Fordham Conversations. I'm Nora Flaherty. Today on the show, we're talking with author Christina Baker-Klein about growing up, kids, marriage, and her new novel, Bird in Hand. That's out from William Morrow. Later on the show, we'll take a look at how kids think about being a grown-up. But first, let's hear the rest of my conversation with Christina Baker-Klein. A lot of the things in this book that I found kind of um, interesting or amusing are sort of the petty annoyances that the characters deal with or experience um, with each other and with the city and with the suburbs or whatever. Tell me about writing some of those, I don't know, scenes or moments. Well, it's interesting. Those kinds of observations and moments were really fun to capture on paper because they're kind of ephemeral. I mean, for example, when I started this book, I had younger children. Now, I don't think I would be able to recall with the same kind of clarity the moments of, um, oh, I don't know, like a six-year-old daughter who's kind of playing power games with you, for example. Those kinds of exchanges with the authentic dialogue that I was able to capture because I was around a lot of six-year-old children at the time, you can't do necessarily when you're not in that stage anymore. Or people... I guess some people can, but I know that for myself, I wanted to capture a moment I was living through in that way. Um, And the New York stuff, too, is very specific to the experience of living here. Uh, Someone perhaps could imagine it, but I think what I was trying to do is put my finger on things that I actually have lived through or, or experienced in that way. Tell me about just a couple of the things the characters experience. Um... Let's see. Well, one, I mean, this isn't about New York, but uh, when my character of Claire goes on a book tour, this character of Claire is not based on me at all. In fact, none of these characters are really me, although as I was writing each one, I felt that I, you know, the Flaubert line about Madame Bovary, c'est moi, I felt that I was inhabiting them. Um, But she goes on a book tour, and a lot of the things that happen on book tours, as I obviously knew firsthand and had done myself, um... And there's a moment when she's doing sort of a bookstore event and it's at the end and she's just exhausted and she finds herself getting impatient and um, and unable to really handle it anymore. And I've had a few moments like that where you sort of get overloaded and don't really know how to talk about the book anymore that makes sense. Um, so that was really fun to do, even though I found, even though I think this character of Claire um, was sort of more overtly grumpy than I've ever been. It was fun to write that role. Um, and then just the another thing with that character of Allison was writing about the way new mothers talk to each other and uh, talk about their children with each other and the kind of uh, life you lead when you're really in the trenches with 
young children. And you're sort of, at one point I described the endless revolving loop of, of dinners that kids will eat, that you're feeding them the same kinds of food over and over again. And you just have to sort of let yourself, um, let yourself be in the moment in a way that you never do again as a parent or, um, young children who can't articulate what they want, uh, dealing with them is very different even from dealing with pets or from dealing with, you know, eight or 10 year olds. It's, um, you have to have a certain kind of patience and that patience doesn't come naturally to everyone. Yeah. There's one scene in the book where, um, one of the characters comes from the city to visit and is sort of just aghast at the children running around in the house. Yeah. And that's that's a really interesting moment. Well, and one of the things I show in it is that the kids, kids at that age, that really young, three to six, two to six, um, don't really have a sense of, you know, mommy's talking to this person and I can't deal with you right now. It's all very immediate. Um, a friend of mine calls it the eternal now, that it's everything is just now, now, now. And um, so in the book, I try to show that, that the, the children are just ever present um, and the friend is trying to have an adult conversation. And it's just really impossible to do that. Moving on to uh, more serious things. One of the things that this book is about, um, and I'm not revealing anything because it's right there on the book jacket, is that it's about adultery. Why did you decide yeah. to write about that? I wanted to write about true love, whether true love exists and what that means. Um, there are four characters in the book, as I said, and um, they've all made compromises um, to be with the people they're with. And at least one of the characters is convinced that true love does exist and it's not necessarily with the person that they're with. And I wanted, you know, when I started writing the book, um, and I was around the age of these characters, I, a lot of friends were going through separations and divorces. Not a lot. Well, a lot. I mean, I guess half a dozen or so um, friends and acquaintances. And so I was seeing this firsthand. It's sort of shocking when you're newly married and you've made a, this commitment to each other to realize that people break those bonds fairly easily, um, not seamlessly and with a lot of agony. But the person that you sort of imagined you're together with as a team, a partner, life partner, is suddenly not anymore. And the, and those broken bonds are so interesting to me. How do you maintain relationships with that those people if you do? with How does one maintain a relationship with an ex? And or um, how do you get to the point that you make the decision to end a marriage? I wanted to explore all of those questions, even though I am happily married and, um, you know, um, really, I feel, have come through uh, this period, as I said, of early children. Um, but I, you know, writers are often interested in the dark side because that's where the drama is. And I wanted to write about an inherently dramatic situation, even though there are no car chases and no... Um, you know, there's no huge intrigue in the novel. It's about it's about how things happen rather than what happens, I think. Just out of curiosity, I'm getting from the way that you're answering the questions that people are asking you a lot of questions about whether this book is really about you. Yeah, I mean, you always get that as a novelist. Um, what, the reason I write novels is that the alchemy of um, my own experience, things I've heard, 
things I've read, gossip, other books, uh, create a stew um, or creates a stew that um, feels very rich to me. I never write exactly about my own experience. And I think that the best kinds of novels are about what things feel like deeply. That in this novel, um, I would say more than any of my other novels, I use the form of the novel in a way that um, you couldn't with another form. It can't. This book, I don't think, really could be a movie. Probably, it's very interior. It's not a memoir. I don't think it could be a memoir. It's four people's perspectives. It really is. the The form of the novel is perfect for this book. I think. Um, and I loved that about writing it. Um, and so when people ask me if it's my own life, it's it's not my own life. Um, but I took a lot from the world I live in and the world of people I know at the same time that I also had books as inspiration that have nothing to do with this. Like Mrs. Dalloway and The Hours, I read obsessively while I was writing this, um, um, partly because they're about social convention and about um, colliding lives, both of those books. And that's what I was trying to do in this novel is to write about um, social conventions and colliding lives. Um, I also reread um, Anna Karenina and um, was really interested in how Tolstoy told the story, that that tragedy, um, through the perspective of all these different characters and how that adultery happened and what happened to Anna's marriage in it. So there are literary underpinnings pinnings as well as um, bits and pieces from my own life and experience, um, as well as overheard stories, as well as just my own imagination. It's a real um, stew. I guess this is good if um, if it's not autobiographical at all, because there is a tremendous amount of sort of anxiety and neurosis um, among these people about who they, basically who they think they are. Do you think we're all struggling that much, or are these characters just particularly neurotic? Maybe I should ask you, Nora. <laughs> as a reader, um, no, it's it, this book seemed really New Yorky to me, and that made me feel sort of funny as somebody who lives in New York. <laughs> um, I think that um, most people, you know, I've gotten one of the interesting things to me about the internet at, at, at this moment. We were just Nora and I were talking about it before we got on the air. Is that um, the people feel absolutely free to let me know exactly what they think of the book. They email me. I get many, many emails. And if you look at Amazon, there are many, many, many comments. And the one thing I see over and over again is just that it feels very real, sometimes too real, I think, to people. But that because I'm going under the skin of these uh, lives in this way, I think um, I think that I am saying the things, and this is, again, what a novel can do that I love about writing novels. I am saying the things from each perspective that people don't articulate, are afraid to articulate. Um, The husband, Charlie, um, is, you know, he loves his wife. He really loves his life. Um, He likes having a wife who stays at home. At the same time, he's dissatisfied. But that dissatisfaction is... um, complex. And so I wanted to show all the different ways that his feelings are mixed about the way he lives. And um, I think if we're honest, everybody has mixed feelings. All of us have mixed mixed feelings about our experience. I'll ask you one more question, and I'll close with this very broad question. 
What is this book about? That is a hard question to answer, I suppose. Um, I think this book is about um, four people whose lives are equally important to each of them um, and who are all trying to find their way in the world in this new millennium, uh, new-ish, I suppose, um, and find happiness. And one question is, um, one question that a character asks in the book is, who breaks the thread, the one who pulls or the one who hangs on? Um, And I think the question that these characters are ultimately asking is whether, given that we each only have one life to live, Am I living the life that I want, that I deserve, that I need? Is this the way I want to live, the only life I have? And I think every single character in the book is asking that question. And how they find, how they come to answers is what the book is about. I read this as somebody who is sort of part of the demographic described in the book in a lot of ways. But if I were not, if I were, say, somebody who didn't live in New York, didn't have a connection to New York, was not a media professional, so on and so forth. What interest do you think that I might have in this book? Why would I care about it? I think you would, well, I'll just, what I had started to say, actually, that I somehow got off the track of is that I get all these, I get all these responses to the book um, from all over the country. Um, And so I guess I don't see it as specifically New York in that I think a lot of people in relationships, it's very interior. So you're getting these stories from the inside as much as from the outside. I think a lot of people in this age are going through this. However, um, there were just a couple of reviews recently by people who identified themselves as baby boomers and said, I didn't expect to r- respond to this book the way I have uh, to, to relate to it and feel that um, it captured something that I really wanted to know. Um, but in fact, the themes are fairly universal about finding true love and um, looking for happiness. And I think... In that way, it doesn't feel at all specific to New York. It feels like a much broader exploration of life and love. Well, Christina Baker-Klein is the author of Bird in Hand, among other novels, and she's the writer-in-residence at Fordham University. Christina, thanks as always. Thank you so much, Nora. This is Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org. I'm Nora Flaherty. I'm from New Jersey. I don't expect If the world ended today, I would adjust I'm from New Jersey No, I don't talk that way I watch too much TV When I was young I'm from New Jersey Just after the show this morning, it's Cityscape with George Budarchy. That's this morning at 7.30 on WFUV. But first, one of the big preoccupations among the characters in Christina Baker Klein's Bird in Hand, and to tell the truth among a lot of us, is what it actually means to be a grown-up. We'll close the show today with one set of perspectives on that question. Producers Julie Flores, Charles Garcia, and Claudia Lopez at Curie Youth Radio in Chicago asked some teens what they used to do when they were little kids and they wanted to feel like grown-ups. When I was seven years old, I used to put on my dad's tie, so I feel like I was a grown-up going to work. Wouldn't it be nice if we older than we would 
in my mama's room. She wasn't there. Put on makeup and take a bra and stuff it with towels. <laughs> I used to uh, try to shave, knowing I had no hair on my face. So I took one of them, um, what you call them, leg shavers, and I tried to shave my sideburns. And I made a mistake and cut a bald spot like right on the side of my hair. <laughs> When I was in sixth grade, I used to smoke cigarettes because I thought it was cool because everyone was doing it. And I used to cut up little strips of paper and roll them up. And then I would get an orange marker and I would color half of them to make it look like a cigarette. And then I would put them on. On sixth grade, I used to take a, a lot of magazines full of porn to my classmates. When I used to go grocery shopping with my family, I used to put food in the cart that we didn't really need, but they would end up buying it anyways. Uh, my grandma used to have this green couch, right? And uh, she wouldn't let nobody sit on it when we had little family gatherings. So whenever everybody would leave and she'd go to sleep in her room, I'd stay up late and I'd go sit on her couch. I felt like a king, man. That piece from Cure Youth Radio in Chicago. From WFUV, this has been Fordham Conversations. If you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email us at FordhamConversations at WFUV.org. We would, of course, and as always, love to hear from you. You can hear Fordham Conversations as a podcast or in our archives, both at WFUV.org. I'm Nora Flaherty. Cityscape is next. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful weekend. This is WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org.